The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. On Family Matters today, we will be talking about step families, what works and what doesn't. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. And I had a first career as a research psychologist and later in life became a family mediator. So you might think that when I remarried and formed a step family, I would have had some decent ideas about what in the world I was doing, but I didn't. I made tons of mistakes. So my guest today, Dr. Patricia Papernow, will be talking about how to avoid lots of the mistakes that my husband and I made. She is an internationally recognized expert on step families, and she is passionate about sharing useful research-based information about what works. Her most recent book, Surviving and Thriving in Step Family Relationships, was written for the members of Step Families and also for the people who love them and the people who want to help them. And it has been receiving rave reviews. Welcome to the show, Dr. Papernow. I'm glad to be here. Where I didn't realize in- you'd, you'd been in a step family, or I forgot, <laughs> but you have lots yeah, and don't- lots of company. Yeah, I don't know whether I ever mentioned that to you before, but I am very well acquainted with how the families that we call blended families are a lot more challenging than the name implies. It's not the word most people would use to describe daily living. As one woman said, unless you're describing the churning in my stomach. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so it's hard for me to know where to begin. Do you have a particular place where you'd like to start? Well, maybe let's start with how step families are different, because I think that language of blending, which is the language we all use, sort of captures the feeling we all looking for when we're going into a second, related, second family. You know, we want a family that... Um, that, that does what we wanted in the first place even better. And I think the dilemma is that the structure of a step family is fundamentally different from the structure of a first-time family. In a first-time family, the couple has a little time alone together and the kids enter the couple's relationship and the family develops ways of doing things over time uh, and the kids enter somewhat unformed. Um, but in a step family, the pre-existing relationship is not the adult couple. It's the parent and child. And, you know, 
don't skip step couples are often very much in love, actually sometimes more in love than first-time couples, according to the research. But the pre-existing deep lines of attachment and the shared agreements on everything from is grape nuts a form of cardboard or a breakfast cereal? That was an issue in my family. And what's loud noise and do you do the dishes right away or let them pile up? Those agreements are all between the parent and his or her kids and not in the couple and not between the parent and kids, the step-parent and kids. So that makes a really different structure. Yes. Very different structure. And I'm sure you face some of the challenges. It makes, uh, uh, I talk about five challenges, and I'll bet you faced a lot of them. Probably all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that. Just uh, let's give a quick list, and we'll come back and talk about each one later. What are the the five major challenges that virtually every step family faces? Well, the first is that because of that pre-existing relationship between parents and their kids, Every time a child enters the room or enters the adult's conversation, the parent is pulled in. You know, it's my kid. Um, and the child, ch- children need their parents, not their step-parents. So children are often speaking to their parent and not to their step-parent. So the parent is pulled in and the step-parent is left out. So over and over and over and over again, the parent is a stuck insider and the step-parent is a stuck outsider. Being a stuck outsider stinks. It, it, you know, you feel invisible. You feel like you don't matter. And being a stuck insider stinks. You're torn. If I turn to this person I love, that one's unhappy. And if I turn to that one, this one's unhappy. So that's the first challenge. Right. And the, the second is that kids struggle with losses and loyalty binds and too much change. And now I'll just reel them off. And the third is parenting tasks divide parents and step-parents. Parents want more love and understanding for their kids, and step-parents want more limits. The fourth is that the family has to build a new culture. However, they begin with two entirely separate cultures, which also need respect as you're building a new culture. And the fifth is the family does not stop at the front door. There is an ex-spouse, alive or dead, who is part of the family. Those are the five challenges that this structure creates. That's a formidable list. And yet, the research indicates that there are a good number of step families who succeed. Yes, there really are. And in fact, after five or six or seven years, successful step families, kids in successful step families look very much like kids in first-time families. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take them one at a time. Uh, you've got this issue of an insider and an outsider. You know, my child is my child and has big expectations of me, and my new husband is just not part of the picture. His kids have strong expectations about him, and I'm a complete unknown. As it happens in my case, we each brought two minor children into the marriage. So we had maximum maximum (laughs) complexity. Oh, my goodness. How old were your kids? We had grades, I think, four or five no, five, six, seven, and eight. Oh my goodness! And uh, the kids uh, were alternating. One, you know, one of his, one of mine, one of his, one of mine. Uh huh. 
Well, I'll tell you a story from my family. I, I am, I'm in my second step family. In my first step family, my husband had two kids who were five and nine when I met him. Um, and this is how I got into it, by the way. I needed a dissertation. I was in graduate school. And so I wrote my dissertation on normal stages of development in step families. And at that time, which was 30-some years ago, you have to do a literature review for a dissertation. There was nothing. It was the easiest lit review of any of my classmates. Mine was a cinch. That's no longer true. There's a lot of great research. But in my first step family, I'd be playing with my stepdaughter, who was six or seven and would spend a lot of time with us. We'd be playing cards. Her dad would come home, and I, all of a sudden I was chopped meat. She would turn away from me and towards him. Um, and that's that insider-outsider challenge. Um, and the hard thing is that you've got a brand-new relationship, and you want to feel like each other, you know? I mean, and empathy is the, the, it's the cord that binds, uh, it makes intimacy, but in a, it, and it's much easier to be empathic when you're in the same, you know, in the same position. You and I see things similarly. Well, in a step family, moment after moment after moment, the step parent and the parent see things very differently. So at the point that my first husband would come home, I would feel completely abandoned. He would be thrilled. You know, his daughter was turning towards him. She was glad to see him. So the real challenge of this uh, for insider-outsider thing, successful step families face the same challenge. But in successful step couples, there's uh, more empathy, more curiosity. uh, And in struggling step couples, there's more, how could you do this to me? What's your problem? Um, And I think the thing that's really, really helpful to know is that when the whole family is together, that's when things are hardest. You know, you'd think that, that with that language of blending, that spending time together would, would solve this challenge over time. But in fact, that's when this challenge and all of the five challenges are, are hardest. So one of the things that really helps insider-outsider challenges is lots of one-to-one time. Step couple needs one-to-one time without kids and Kids need one-to-one time with their parents. And the other thing is that step-parents and step-kids, just like when I'm playing cards, my husband comes in and I'm drop meat, step-parents and step-kids need time alone without the parent present just to get to know each other because every time the adult couple is, the uh, parent is present, the parent-child relationship trumps the step-parent-step-child relationship. I remember that as being one of the most important pieces of advice in your book, Surviving and Thriving in Step Families, or I think that's the right title, um, (laughs) that came through so clearly. It's it's counterintuitive for almost everyone. Almost everyone thinks uh, we got to blend this family. Let's all be together and and turn ourselves into one big happy family. And what actually is going to work is the opposite. It's let's have time just in pairs so we can get to know each other and develop relationships and enjoy what we have and make something new and better where there isn't anything yet. That's really true, and I think one of the reasons for that is um, the parent-child relationship in a first-time family when the couple is 
close. The whole family feels closer. But in a second-time family, when the couple is close, the kid feels left out. When the parent and child are close, the step-parent feels left out. So the subsystems, meaning all the units in the family, are in competition. When you spend one-to-one time, you drop out the competition. Everybody gets their needs met. The couple gets their needs met. The kids get their needs met. And parents also need to be good parents terrible to feel that if I'm turning towards my partner, I'm not a good parent. My kid is unhappy. So I'm so glad that the one-to-one time came through in my book. That was That's probably one of the most important things I think uh, mm-hmm. I have to teach people. Mm-hmm. So that gives people a first step for how to move beyond this insider-outsider problem in the step family. What about helping kids with their difficulties? You mentioned that they are, for the most part, struggling with losses and with loyalty binds and with too much change too fast. What are the things people can do that make it easier for the kids? For kids. Well, the first thing I think for grown-ups is to realize that grown-ups are thrilled. I mean, if you've been alone, even for a little while, finding a new partner is wonderful. And if you've been in a bad relationship, a bad marriage, finding somebody wonderful and new, is it's thrilling for adults. But the dilemma is that what's thrilling for adults is uh, creates all of those challenges for children. And the way I explain it to adults is, have you ever been alone and your, one of your good friends found a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend and you're sitting at lunch with them, you're alone, they're a couple, and they're gaga at each other, you know, gooing at each other, looking in each other's eyes, and how do you feel? You know, you're sitting there and you feel like a lump. And do you really want to watch them kiss? Do you really want to watch them snuggle? New step couples are really in love, and even if kids have been with a you know married couple parents, oftentimes they're not really in love. That's why they got divorced. Mm-hmm. So kids feel left out. They feel like they they and they do literally lose the attention of their parent. I mean, when you fall in love, you turn a little bit away from your kid. So that's that's the loss piece that. And the other piece for kids around loss is they've already been through so much change. You know, I've lost my family as it was. And if I've spent, if I'm a kid and I've spent some time alone with my parent, now I have to deal with a new step parent and I may have to deal with new step step siblings, a new house, a new neighborhood. That's a lot of losses. So back to that one to one time really important for parents to spend one-to-one time with their kids and to spend one-to-one time when we're not multitasking. As a single parent, I certainly know, and even as a step-parent and a parent in a step-family, you're busy. Really important to spend some uh, good, connected one-to-one time with your kids. That's the lost piece. Yeah. That's the last piece. Maybe we should say a little more about the loyalty bind. You know, what well, if I actually like my stepmom? How is my real mom going to feel about that? You got it, Virginia. That is exactly true. And it, it's true even in, it's interesting, it's true even in when the divorce was pretty friendly. It's like it must be genetically wired that kids feel if I turn towards my stepmom, I betrayed my mom. And if I turn toward my stepdad, I betrayed my dad. And really interesting, 
even if the original parent was abusive or has died, attachment is forever and hardwired, and children still feel like they've betrayed a parent who has left or uh, been nasty or died. And sometimes I think the loyalty bind is stronger. If a parent uh, is absent, uh, has died, or was uh, abusive in some way, kids have so little of that parent. It's like I'm holding on to the last little shreds. If I'm a kid and if I turn to my step-parent, I will have lost it all. So that's a loyalty bind. And loyalty binds are normal. They happen even in collaborative, friendly divorces. However, when adults are in conflict or bad-mouthing each other, and I don't mean screaming and yelling. I mean saying snarky things about each other, leaking, one of my stepkids calls it. Mom leaks. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. just says nasty things, you know. Mom says she doesn't say nasty things about Dad, but, you know, Step, uh, her, her daughter says, can we go out for dinner? And she says, and mom says, dad didn't give us enough money. We can't. That kind of leakage is very, Ugh. very painful for children. Yeah. What can the adults in this situation do to make it easier for the kids to deal well, with these loyalty binds? How do you help them? The first thing is you have to love your kids more than you hate your ex. That's my colleague, Philip Stahl. Um, give me that little ditty. Even if you hate your ex, protecting kids from conflict is really critical. It's not divorce or single-parent families or step-families that makes for poorer well-being in children. The research is really clear. The most robust predictor for poor well-being in children is conflict, and not just screaming and yelling, but moderate tension affects kids' attention, it affects their social skills, it affects sleep. So the first thing is, and I think that is something people are beginning to understand, not everybody, but many, to not put your kids in the middle, to not complain about your ex to your kid. And uh, the other is something I call them loyalty buying talks. Loyalty buying talk is I say to my daughter, you know, you have a dad and a stepdad. And it happens that my daughter had a very difficult relationship with her father and uh, was not seeing him at the time that I met my second husband. But she had that big hole in her heart, you know. She hated him. She was glad and relieved not to be with him, and she missed having the dad she didn't have. So even she had a loyalty bind. And I, a loyalty bind talk is, you know, sometimes it could be kind of confusing to have a dad and a stepdad, or a mom, and a stepmom. Now, she was a teenager. Teenagers like to be in the know, so what I say to teenagers is, you probably already know this, but just so you know that I know, some kids find it a little bit confusing to have a mom and a stepmom or a dad and a stepdad. And here's what I want you to know. Your dad, and I could say to my daughter, your dad, even though he did some really painful things, is permanently your dad. He has a place in your heart, always. It's permanent, like the sun, like the moon, like the stars. I hope you come to care about Steve, my second husband, at some point. And even if you do, humans have really big hearts. He will be in a different place in your heart, honey, a different place from your dad. You don't have to like him. 
I care about him. I hope you come to like him at some point. But even if you do, it'll be in a different place in your heart. That's a loyalty bind talk. Anybody can do a loyalty bind talk. That is very well phrased. We are going to take a break now, and I realize that I forgot to tell people that they can find you online at stepfamilyrelationships.com. That's so right. everybody, hang around. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with lots more good advice based on solid research about what works in step families. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively, in a private, confidential setting, we help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Colin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. I'm Virginia Collin, and on Family Matters today, I'm talking with Dr. Patricia Papernow about step families. What works? Dr. Papernow is a psychologist in private practice. In fact, she's got over three decades of clinical experience in addition to her academic work, preparing her to help us understand what works in step families. And she's also a clinical instructor in psychology at Harvard Medical School. So before break, we were talking about five challenges that all step 
step families face. We're about ready to say more about the third one, which is that parenting tasks in a step couple tend to divide the couple. Tell me more about that. That's right. I just want to say one more thing about kids, and that is uh, uh, that for many children, the adjustment to a step family is harder and takes longer than the adjustment to divorce. So the adults have to go a lot slower than they wish um, in order to support kids. And one of the things, but coming on to this next challenge, that they have to go slower on is discipline. So backing up, the challenge is that parents have a hard connection to their kids. Parents have shared understandings with their kids about what you do about mess and noise and what's okay to eat and what's not and what the appropriate cost of a pair of sneakers is. And step-parents don't have any of that with their step-kids. So step-parents want their, and parents want their kids to be loved and understood, and step-parents find kid behavior, step-kid behavior, just more irritating. And it's more irritating because it's not my kid, and it's more irritating because, you know, if I'm a step-mom and I like a clean kitchen, and I have coupled with a guy and his uh, kids who are used to leaving things, you know, the kitchen a mess. In fact, you know, the guy and the couple may be thrilled having been a single parent that his kids are in the kitchen making their own meals. He doesn't care if they make a mess. He's just glad they're making their own food. And his new partner may much prefer a clean kitchen and comes in and sees a huge mess. Now, for the step-parent, that huge mess is very triggering. I can't believe what these kids have done to my kitchen. For the parent, it's like, they're kids. That's what they do. They make messes. (laughs) And the more the parent defends their kid, the more desperate the step-parent gets. And when things go badly, I call it the polarization polka, the more uh, supportive and uh, defensive the parent gets, the more harsh and uh, hard the step-parent gets. And uh, it can be very, very painful. And my husband and I, we are 20 years into our uh, marriage, and <laughs> uh, we still, not over his kids, but over my daughter. He has three kids, a little older, in their 40s, and I have a daughter who's 32 next month. We still polarize over her. And when we do it, when couples do it well... Oftentimes, the parent does need to firm up a little bit. Well, let me back up. The best parenting for kids, the research is really clear. It's authoritative. Authoritative parenting is warm and caring and sets moderately firm limits. Authoritarian parenting is hard and firm but not loving enough. And permissive parenting may be very loving, but not doesn't ask enough of kids, doesn't set enough firm limits. So the dilemma is that step parents often become get pulled into authoritarian, make these kids do this or else parenting, and parents get pulled into permissive. Oh, they're just being kids. When what kids need is authoritative parenting, both uh, caring and firm. But the dilemma is. The research is really, really clear that parents need to hold on to the disciplinary end of parenting. 
until her in-laws' step-parents have formed a trusting relationship with their stepkids. This is non-intuitive, right, Virginia? You and I were talking a bit about this at well, the break a little bit. It certainly did not immediately occur to my second husband or to me when we married, and that was a fatal oversight in our case. Um, I had been exhausted and kind of lax in discipline with my kids for a long time, and we both knew that going in. Mm -hmm. So he thought, this is a way that I can help my new wife out. She she has difficulty disciplining her kids, and, and I know how to do that. So I can be the person who insists that they follow the rules and or face the consequences. Right. And... You know, it. he didn't take two years to build up warm relationships with them before he stepped in to help out as disciplinarian. Right. And the result is my children will probably never have warm, fuzzy feelings for my husband. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. How old were your kids, Virginia? Well, uh, let's see. As I said, they were in grades five and seven. Uh Uh-huh. So you had, and was your seventh grader a boy or a girl? A boy. A boy. Because step families tend to be easier for kids under eight. They're easier for boys than girls. They are harder for kids over eight, and they are especially hard for early adolescent girls, which was the age of my daughter when I met my second husband. But uh, particularly adolescent kids uh, really, really need step parents to take their time. And sometimes yeah. step-parents don't even take a disciplinary role in a very healthy step-family. So you, it's, it's what you guys did I call a very easy wrong turn but just because it makes so much sense, you know. He wanted to help you out, mm-hmm. and that's what adults do in, in a family. There was you know? clearly They're a need for discipline. And <laughs> yeah, and there, he's right. The to do it. <laughs> well, now, when this goes well, the parent does retain the disciplinary role. Uh, but the step-parent has input to the parent. The parent actually does the discipline, and the parent has final say. So the step-parent, instead of saying, you will do your homework right now, says to the, to the kid, instead says to the parent, you know, I think Johnny isn't getting to his homework. I'm really worried about it. And mom says, eh, he's all right. And stepdad says, no, you know, he got an F on his math teacher test last week. I think he needs a little more structure. Can we talk about this? You know, that's a reasonable conversation. And over time, step-parents really can help parents firm up. And you guys had the right idea. You needed some help firming up. Um, but he, the way it works best, and, of course, nobody told you guys this, would have been for him to really talk to you about, you know, I think she got away with murder. That, And my husband would say to me, I think your daughter just did it to you again, and you didn't even see it coming or going. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. 20 years later, it still happens. He oh thinks I'm a wimp, and I think he's too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Well, it's definitely challenging, but the advice in your book, and and people can find some of this lot advice online and also find your book online at stepfamilyrelationships.com. This is really great advice to get, preferably before the wedding when you're forming a stepfamily, but also useful if you've already formed your stepfamily. Um, there are just a lot of good ideas in your book about how to turn things around if you've started taking one of those easy wrong turns. That's why I wrote it. I wrote it for both clinicians and people and step families because there are so many easy wrong turns and they're really we, we really do know a lot about what works. The, when I went back, my first book I wrote 30 years ago, when I went back to look at the research, I was stunned at how much there is. Just a huge amount, but clinicians don't read it and step family members certainly don't read it. So the good news is we do know a lot about what works. And even if you're many years down the road, there really are things that you can do to, I call it, return and repair. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's possible to go back often and uh, repair these relationships. Okay. We will probably come back to that idea of doing returning and repairing. But for now, let's be very structured and we'll go through the fourth and fifth challenges that almost every step family faces. The fourth one being that to be a family, you have to create a new culture. You have to, f- to f- decide and find out and, and form what this new family is like. But you're starting with Lots of differences in relationships and expectations and desires. That's right. You've got it exactly right. And, you know, if you're going in with that idea of blending, the, uh, the differences are, can be stunning. And oftentimes there's really good advice for step couples to talk ahead of time about things that are important, money and rules and those kinds of things. And that is important good advice. The dilemma is a lot of the things that you hold most dear that are really most, uh, seem most obvious assumptions about how life should be no longer have any language until somebody breaks the expectation. So stepmom hangs white lights on the Christmas tree and her stepdaughter bursts into tears, runs out of the room, and refuses to come down to open presents. And stepmom thinks stepdaughter has ruined Christmas, and dad knows that step that his daughter is used to colored lights on the Christmas tree, and it's just too much change for her, and he's caught between them. There's that insider-outsider thing in this yeah. challenge as well. Yeah. But who would have thought to talk about Christmas tree lights, you know? You mm-hmm. wouldn't even have thought to talk about it. My husband used to say to me, Patricia, it's a no-brainer. And the no-brainer would be something I hadn't ever thought about. <laughs> so we, I would say... It's a no-brainer for you, honey, but... Uh. That's right. If it's a not a no-brainer to me, it's not a no-brainer. <laughs> oh, that's true. Is, is there any generic advice that works other than be aware that you are coming in with all kinds of different expectations and you're just, there are going to be misunderstandings. You're going to make mistakes. Just be ready to roll with it. (laughs) Yeah, and there is that moment of the glitch, like, oh, my God, she's hanging white lights. It's very, very difficult 
um, the example I often give is tuna fish. I mean, think about it. Uh, think about how you like your tuna fish. I like my tuna fish with lots of things in it, you know, celery and a little bit of onion and, you know, kind of crunchy and not too wet. I don't want it drowning and wet. I want to be able to taste the tuna fish, a little low-fat mayo. Well, the first time I made tuna fish sandwich for my, my stepdaughter in my first marriage, she looked at it and looked at me. And the younger one, who's very passive, just sat there and slumped. And the older one, who was not so passive, said, yuck. Well, they were used to a tuna fish sandwich that had soft white bread and tuna fish with, quote, real mayonnaise, lots of it in it. So these differences happen at moments where you don't expect them to happen. And the best I can say is to expect, I call it learning by goofing. You have to expect these differences and to be sweet to yourself, there's a spike of, oh, what? To be sweet to yourself and calm down a little bit before you talk about it. The metaphor that I often use is that we have to change the metaphor that becoming a step family is a lot less like blending a smoothie. It's really a lot more like bringing together a group of Japanese and a group of Italians under the same roof to live intimately together. And, you know, the metaphor tells us just, you know, the Japanese is a little bit uh, polite and the Italian feels like you're not friendly. The Italian comes in and slaps you on the back and the At- Japanese thinks you're being, a, you know, awfully really intrusive and impolite. Yes. <laughs> right. And it takes a while. It takes yeah. time. And then there's always the challenge of just decreeing that we'll all eat spaghetti and we'll do it with chopsticks. Exactly, and it doesn't work very well, but that is another easy wrong turn, and it makes so much logical sense. We'll make a slate of common rules and hold everybody to them. I mean, it seems reasonable, but it's too much change to pass. Kids can't do it any more than, as you just said, we'll make everybody eat pasta with chopsticks. It just doesn't work. So I suggest two or three changes at a time and start focus on changes that, that have to do with rules that have to do with civility and respect. Make sure everybody is safe in the family. Not okay to call each other names. Not a time to let the kids work it out if they're having a hard time. And you know, some differences, just like with Japanese and Italians, some differences are still there years later. In my mm-hmm. family, I wasn't kidding about the grape nuts. I mean, my daughter and ate, I ate grape nuts, and the first time we went to my husband's house, she opened the uh, kitchen closet door, and there were like five shelves of sugar cereal. Her eyes got it like as big as saucers. <laughs> Every kind of sugar cereal you could imagine. And I had to say to her, you know, honey, in their family, they eat sugar cereal. We're going to continue eating our grape nuts. When you're done, you can have a little sugar cereal. And I said, I'd say to my stepkids, you may not flaunt your sugar cereal in front of my daughter. And her, my husband had to enforce that. Mm-hmm. And about year two or three, she looked in the uh, refrigerator. My husband's last name is Goldberg. Mine is Papri. Now, she, she went to the entire refrigerator, Goldberg, Goldberg, Papernow, Papernow. Goldberg was real mayonnaise, regular sour cream, red meat, um, whole milk, and Papernow was skim milk, low-fat yogurt, the entire vegetable and fruit drawer, and the same through all the closets. All the white sugar cereal was Goldberg, and all the whole wheat was Papernow. Year three or four, my husband started to eat, uh, drink skim milk, 
year five, uh, he and I got on Weight Watchers. Well, in Weight Watchers, red meat and white things are higher points. So he started eating chicken and lower fat. So now you can look in the refrigerator and there's a lot of low fat, there's a lot of skim milk, there's chicken, um, but the vegetable drawer, all pepper now. No Goldberg vegetables. He still doesn't eat any vegetables at all. So we're here in year 20 and almost 20, and we still have many ways in which we eat differently and some in which we eat very similarly. And who would have known we would have even been as similar as this in year one or two. We are going to take a break now. People can find you online at stepfamilyrelationships.com. And it's time for us to take a break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin. My guest today is Dr. Patricia Peppernow, author of Surviving and Thriving in Step Families, 
We've been talking about what works and what doesn't based on lots of clinical experience and based on now an extensive body of research. Uh, we talked about five challenges that every step family faces, and then we've been going through them one at a time. The fifth one, if we're ready to go there, is the fact that when you form a step family, you don't lose, or you may not lose, even if you want to, um, a lot of the other relatives who were previously part of your family or your child's family. So, Patricia, maybe you could say a little more about how that works? Well, I think the uh, wish often is that we'll have this new nuclear family, and especially this has some cultural aspects to it. In the United States, um, the value is on the, the couple, and the family forms, uh, not just in the United States, really, in, in European, American, white European families, the value is on the couple and the family forms around the couple. So uh, the boundary of the family is at the door of the house, and the household is the family unit. In other cultures, the family unit extends beyond the household, and uh the truth is that kids have another parent, dead or alive, uh, present in uh, the family or not. And as I said earlier, and I'm going to repeat it, it's not divorce or single-parent families or step-families that makes for poorer well-being in kids. It's conflict. Even moderate tension affects kids uh, physically and emotionally. So really, really important for kids. Kids do best when they feel that they're, all the adults in their lives are getting along and they do best when they have positive relationships with all of the adults, parents and step-parents and grandparents. Uh, so it behooves the adults, if we want our kids to do well, to pull up our very best skills in situations that sometimes pull for our worst skills. Interesting, in the United States, African-American culture has a lot more uh, acceptance and support for parenting across household boundaries. And some of that is African community culture. Some of that is what we did to African-Americans in this country, pulling families apart so that other people had to step in. But there is much more value and ease. You know, a kid is as likely to be disciplined by their neighbor as they are in a uh, high, well-functioning African-American community as by a parent. And African-American step-families, uh, when there's a solid, stable marriage, those kids are actually doing better at, or as well as kids in a first-time family, and they're doing better than European-American kids in a step-family. And here's a really interesting fact. Non-residential dads, particularly, tend to lose contact with their kids. Now, those numbers are changing a little over time. Non-residential dads are starting to have more contact with their kids. However, the rates of... Uh, Continued non-residential dad contact are much higher in the African-American community, and that includes never-married dads stay in much better contact with their kids than uh, European-American dads do. So it's a very, very interesting cultural uh, 
phenomenon in Japan, where I was teaching this last fall, only one parent gets custody. Kids completely lose one of their parents. In Latino wow. families, the non-residential dad often is pretty much exiled from the family and the kids are expected to accept a new stepdad and they may accept the discipline. However, as soon as the grown-ups leave the, uh, the field, researchers find that when they sit down with the kids, all the kids can talk about is their missing dads. Mm. So even though they may have, accept, quote, accepted a stepdad, um, uh, they uh, miss their dads. Mm-hmm. And that that thing about authoritarian step-parenting, really interesting. I was in Japan and Singapore this fall. Both cultures that uh, value authoritarian parenting, authoritarian step-parenting was as disastrous there as it is uh, here in the West. Very, very interesting. Mm. That is interesting. So we've we've covered the range of challenges. Um, we've hit them all. We've hit them all. We've even talked a little bit about holiday dilemmas. Um, do you want to say any more about that? Well, I think the thing about holidays is, you know, you want your family together. You want to be with your kids. And the dilemma is, especially if in a holiday like uh, Christmas, where there's only one, or a birthday where there's only one, or Mother's Day where there's only one, uh, it's, it, can, it can easily become a competition. And the way some stepfamilies manage it is dad gets Christmas Eve or mom gets Christmas Eve and dad gets Christmas and next year we switch. That's a lot for kids. So one of the things about holidays is, again, do you love your kids more than you hate your ex? Can you put your kids' well-being ahead of your need to be with them? And can you be creative? Can you do things like we we would have, uh, uh, we had in my first step family, my husband's uh, wife had really strong feelings about Christmas, so they had Christmas, we had Thanksgiving. We made an, a Christmas Eve and a Christmas Day a few days later or a few days earlier, sometimes a, a week later or a week earlier, just so that the kids wouldn't be torn. And, you yeah. know, the first year of, for me of Christmas without my uh, kid was hard. Um, yeah. But better for the kids, much better for the kids. Yeah. Yeah, I've mediated a lot of holiday plans. And in the beginning, I I helped a lot of people write agreements just like the one you described, where one parent gets Christmas Eve, the other parent gets Christmas Day, Uh and then next year we swap. And over time, as I got to know more families better, it became clear that for a lot of kids, that's just too much big, exciting right. stuff and going from house to house too fast. It really and the, isn't and what Yeah, you're absolutely right, Virginia. The kids. The kids have a meltdown, and the parent in the second house says they're having a meltdown because something bad happened in the first house, or, you know, dad said something bad about mom. Actually, it's just too much, too much, too much, too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, now I, I help people think a little more carefully if they let me. It's always in mediation. It's always the parents who are in charge. They are the ones who make the decisions. Uh-huh. But I do encourage them to think about how is your five-year-old going to respond 
if you do things the way you're considering right now. Right. And would you rather have a child uh, who's a wreck or would you rather have a child who's really eager to open her presence? Mm-hmm. And has time to enjoy them before she has to rush off to the other parent's house. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are really, really important issues, and I'm, I'm so glad you've, you've done this program, Virginia, for, because 42% of adults have a close step-family relationship. That's the, uh, the Pew Research Center. 42% of us have a close step-family relationship. So this is information that really needs to get out into the community. I'm really, really glad that you've done this. I'm very glad that you're here to teach, and I hope that people will buy your book, Surviving and Thriving in Step Families, and I hope they will visit your website, uh, stepfamilyrelationships.com. So I think we've covered most of, uh, you know, at least given an introduction to most of the things that we hoped that we would talk about today. Any last thoughts you particularly I, I want to emphasize? So. The last thing to say is that step families come in a lot of forms, you know, and we often don't recognize them as step families. Uh, you know, lesbian and gay step couples are in step families. Many of the very similar issues, um, some of the same challenges. Older, the rate of older recouplers, later life, divorce, well, let me back up. Generally in the United States, rates of divorce have dropped and evened out, except among people 55 or older, where the rate of divorce is rising steeply, as is the rate of recoupling and re-divorce. The challenges for late-life step couples are very, very similar with some extra twists around the developmental issues like inheritance and elder care. Um, So I have a whole chapter in my book about late-life recouples and Recouplers and a whole chapter about LGBT step couples because these are these are step families too, and mm-hmm. to, for all of us to begin to realize that more of us are in a step family than maybe we thought. Right. I think one other topic we didn't talk about very much yet today and won't have time to say much about now is the question of combining finances or having. His, hers, and ours, or hers, hers, and ours, if it's a lesbian step family. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the you step know, I parents. You know, I can say something really quick about that, yeah. which is what works is what works. There, the research is all over the map. There's some research says it's better to combine. Some research says it's better not to. My own experience is take your time, go one step at a time, and, uh, you know, if there are a lot of differences over spending, then maybe the parent has a budget for his or her kids and the other parent has a budget for his or her kids and it's separate. And then we mm-hmm. have a joint pot. Each couple really works this one out separately. Mm-hmm. The one thing I can say is make your wills. And yes. if you're having trouble, go to somebody like Virginia and get some help from a good mediator. Because in a step family, if somebody dies and you don't have a will, that things just go kaflui. And kids that you got along no longer get along, and it's not what you want. Yeah, I've seen some surprises where a step parent inherited money that everybody thought the three 
natural children of the deceased parent would get. Right. So, yeah, you need you. It's a really good idea to talk about prenuptial agreements or postnuptial agreements, and do write your wills and keep them up to date. And tell your kids. It's one brave thing my mom did. She she wrote to each of uh, us. I have two brothers, and said, "This is what's in the will. If you have any problems, talk to me now, mm-hmm. so we can mm-hmm. work it out. I don't want you fighting after I go." And that's really good advice in step families. Okay. And if you it can't is. work it out, use mediation. And skills that, that people like Virginia have are just so, so valuable in cases like okay. this. Okay. I'm going to have to bring our conversation to an end. I do want to remind people that you can get Dr. Pepernow's book, Surviving and Thriving in Step Families. And it really does a great job of giving lots of examples of the kinds of things that we've been talking about and explaining how there are three layers. There, You can learn about step families. You can learn interpersonal skills that will make life easier in a step family. And you can learn to recognize when something is triggering an old intrapsychic issue and maybe you need some help from a therapist that's, that's beyond what you can get from a book. And that so can thanks. make a big difference. Yeah. Thank so you. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful. It's been great talking with you. Dr. Patricia Papernow, StepFamilyRelationships.com. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow.